this film is not the kind of film that you just like sit back and just watch. Um, you know, like this is this. Is, I forgot how intense this film is in terms of. It's like a thick movie, like writing wise, and this is one of the earliest films I remember being like. Let me pay attention to this. <laughs> it's true. And it's not, you know, because in the end, you know, because, I mean, a lot of, well, it depends. Like, I, I like to break things up, I think I've said this before, but into movies and films. And definitely, I mean, the career of PTA, like, and what I consider, like, a movie to me is, like, popcorn entertainment, and not that you're supposed to be, obviously, on your phone or not paying attention as much, but there's just stuff that you can put on in the background. This is not... A background. This is a world that you go Look, in. In this day and age, we always have our phone in one hand. We're doing something else. We're doing like a million things at once. This is not the kind of film that you can really do that with if you really want to pay attention to the plot, which is obviously what we do here. So I guess we'll just dive into this one, right? It's deep end, baby. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Iggy Pop! Amen! Let it rain! I'm a fucking idiot. Red meat, we crave sustenance. I'm an artist. Hello, my name is Jimmy Cody. Why don't you have some fun? Fun, fun. Tommy. Oh, that's a thing. Whoever she is, I'm gonna find her and I'm gonna hurt her. I've spent the past three years learning Finnish. <laughs> I'm always on my mind cool. This is a process of dehypnotization. Shut, 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 shut up! Hi, Hoff fans. Welcome to this week's edition of the PSI Love Hoffman podcast, our love letter to the remarkable career of the late, great Philip Sumer Hoffman. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And I'm Kyle Reinfried. We're always home, we're always uncool, and we're always ready to talk great movies. And today, we have another great PSH-PTA uh, collaboration. Kind of a heavy one today. Yeah, Magnolia. This is... Uh, there's a lot going on in Magnolia. Yeah, and as I mentioned to you, uh, you guys before, this is a three-hour film. Previously, we've spent like two hours talking about an hour and a half film. You know, we're, we're not yeah. going to sit here and talk for four hours as much as we would like to do that. Well, three-hour film, it deserves three people to talk about it. Yes, yes, exactly. And and we are joined by a guest today, uh, filmmaker Tim O'Connor. Tim. Hello. Tim. P.T. Anderson fan, correct? I would say so, yeah. Awesome, yeah, Tim. Time. Nice, nice to meet you. We've we haven't met before. Just good to meet sitting you. Sitting here, yeah, <laughs> shaking hands. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for uh, inviting me to talk about the PSH. Yeah, I mean, heard that you're a big PTA fan, which Paul yeah. Thomas Anderson. For Paul those, Thomas yes. Anderson. Yes. If you're tuning in, this is your first episode, and you don't know uh, who PTA is. That is Paul Thomas Anderson. He is one of the most brilliant. Filmmakers, like we'll go with living filmmakers, but I'd say one of the most brilliant filmmakers out there, especially for uh, his age bracket. And he had great success with his uh, the previous film before this, Boogie Nights. And so uh, he learned from his first film, Heart Eight, which we've covered both because again, Philip Seymour Hoffman was in both of those. Yep. But he had a lot of problems with the studio with uh, Heart Eight. And then he learned for Boogie Nights for him to have Final Cut, and that is again what he had here and why he got to ha- make a three-hour, three-hour and eight-minute movie. Yes, a three-hour, eight-minute movie where it rains frogs. Right. Yeah. And basically, Boogie Nights gave him the right to do that. Yeah. Apparently, New Line, the deal that he had with New Line was you get Final Cut, and the only thing that they knew was the title. <laughs> so, wow. That's awesome. You know. To get, I, you have to have a movie as successful as Boogie Nights, I think, in order to get that. And you know, it'll never happen again. 
No. <laughs> For anybody, I don't think. No, I, I, I mean, that's that's unprecedented. Yeah. So before we get into the film, we like, since you're a first-time guest, we'd like to ask our guests uh, a couple questions. Sure. First one being, what was the first film you saw Philip Seymour Hoffman in, or like that or you like, noticed, or... noticed, recognized his performance? Yeah, I was thinking about it, and I sort of am hazy, but it must... Just glancing through his IMDb page, it must have been Patch Adams. Wow. I, I don't <laughs> remember what his role was, but I remember seeing that movie in a friend's basement and being disturbed by it. So, uh, which is a weird movie to be disturbed by. But uh, let's, let's get some heavy stuff. Too. Yeah, I don't know. We, who, who does he play in that movie? He, is he's he one like, of the patients? No, he's like this no. pretentious... Uh, roommate of Patch Adams. Yeah, so they're like going through med school at the same time and he's someone that he's like, I study, like I came from a family of doctors, like there's no time for silly haha, like yeah. very, you know, not Got a it. jovial, not the jovial PSH that we know. Yeah, that's a movie that, again, we've discussed, it did not carry well today. No, I mean, it's just, it. I mean, for not that the film wanted to be like a magnolia, but what, but what <laughs> well, magnolia? You never know. What, what what like Paul Thomas Anderson does is he creates these films that get award recognition, and that's I mean I, again I thought I thought Patch Adams was just a very like scream like gimme 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 kind of movie. Right. But, uh, but I have I I couldn't even tell you what the plot is except that it involves <laughs> like psychiatry and there's a scene where somebody jumps out of a closet and it was right. Am I imagining this? Yeah, this, I think that's the well, squirrel guy, right? Uh, and somebody gets stabbed, right? No, she gets shot. Well, shot? shot. Yeah. Or there's well, somebody in a house. Oh, well, that this one. Is, this yeah, is actually no, this is perfect yeah. because we were talking about this oh, recently, boy. where when you haven't seen something for a while, you start creating, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, like like alternative yeah. scenes and lines and yeah. just happenings and. Which is, I mean, which is that's that's all you have to remember. Patch yeah, Adams, yeah. Really. No, so no, no, anyway, <laughs> no offense, Patch Adams, but we're here to talk about a much much better film. Yeah, but the second question. Second question, ask. yes, being that, what is your favorite Philip Seymour Hoffman movie and/or role? Hmm. Well, I. I... I would, I, you know, I would probably go with one of the PTA movies. Okay. But, um, I, I think that, like, his character in Boogie Nights is just, like, the saddest, most, like, heartfelt. That's popular. Yeah, Scotty, yeah. Scotty J. Man, I that have such is a soft spot for so, Scotty J. It's true. So <laughs> sad and, like, lonely and relatable. And it's, that one's great. But I think, I think, like, you know. You put those scenes from the master where he's interviewing Joaquin Phoenix in front oh of me, God, and I'll yeah. just you know, I could watch those on repeat yeah. all through the night. That's so. just that's a film that I mean it's towards the end of uh, this show, so I'll be sad that we're getting towards the end of his career in the show, right. but I cannot wait to get to it. Yeah, yeah, it's just like you know there is like a you know there there's kind of like a category of performances that just stand above mm-hmm. you know yep. others and i think that is certainly one of them i also th- i also think he's amazing in the savages which is also later yep um him laura linney that's just a great and that's sort of you know whereas whereas like the master is sort of like this dazzling you know uh kind of yes. like yeah you know broad film yeah like a big that's a like a big canvas you know painting on the side of a church and yeah. and, and like the savage is like a little sketch of a performance not saying it's better or worse but it's just you no, know it's just a much more intimate film yeah range you know yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that, that's, that's... It's always a testament. And to go back to, again to you saying Scotty J, you just think of that movie, and again, this is, a, this is you know, Boogie Nights and Magnolia are by far his biggest, like, ensemble like, mm-hmm. movies. Just to say that out of that movie of Boogie Nights with tremendous performances, people just, like, really felt for Scotty J. And just... Yeah really reigns to his acting. Of yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, you hear that from a lot of people. That just the, uh, just like that. Again, I mean, we talked about it. We've talked about it in other shows too. Mm-hmm. Just that scene outside with the car. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's yeah that that scene in particular, and it's amazing because that entire movie is essentially like you know a dozen people having the same arc, which is like nobody understanding them and being alone in the world. You know, mm-hmm. everybody having that kind of situation and that he stands out above yeah very similar characters is and again it doesn't have that many lines it's just yeah, yeah and it, the, hey, it's very visual too this, this film too I mean it's you know he has a bit more to do and more of a pivotal role like he really I mean he brings Tom Cruise's character yeah, yeah exactly versus I mean Scotty J you know he has his own like little thing but definitely I love his Phil Parma is his name in this <laughs> right. movie. Right. Well, I'm assuming his name is Phil because um, Paul Thomas Anderson knew he was going to put him in it. Yes. Yeah. Supposedly, pretty essentially every role, every major role in this movie, he had an idea of who. And in fact, I, I apparently he wrote roles for other people, notably uh, Mark Wahlberg. Um, he wrote a role for. Um, uh, I, there's a couple. There's a couple of roles that he wrote into the script, and then when the actors turned them down, oh, he a, just took them out. A big wow, one. A really? big, a big cool. one was uh, George C. Scott. Right. And I don't really? know if I don't know if he was up for the uh, Jason Robard uh, character or the Philip Baker Hall character. That, yeah, my understanding was that he was going to play the the dying guy. Okay. But, but and the reason but, he wrote it for Jason Robards, but then Jason Robards actually got really sick. And yeah, was, so it, wasn't it, sure if he was going to be able to be in, d- yeah. in it. But George C. Scott, literally, that would have been another three name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he threw the script like across the table and said, "This is the biggest piece of crap I've ever read." Really? Wow. Which. Sure, this film isn't like your traditional movie, so for a actor like George C. Scott is just like, what the hell is going on? He clearly but, like, wasn't too familiar with his like Paul Thomas. No, but I, I would think if I was like George C. Scott's agent, I would have been like, yeah, but did you see like Burt Reynolds and Boogie Nights? And, George like, C. Scott's agent is probably like twice the age of George, yeah. George C. Scott, like some immortal <laughs> yeah. Hollywood he's just agent. A, he's like, just a mummy. Kid, don't take yeah. it. I'll get you a better part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, but um, that's so interesting that he literally just like eliminated the roles. How big yeah. was this screenplay? If that's uh, the apparently, case? apparently, well, wrote, the, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, he told, who knows if he's making this up or not. But it supposedly <laughs> he went to a cabin in the woods. That it was, was owned, it was William H Macy. Yeah, right? William, oh, really? owned by William H Macy. <laughs> and apparently, the sto- so the story goes, he saw a snake outside the house. Yeah. and got afraid of the snake, and so and he couldn't leave the house. So he just stayed inside and wrote the script. And apparently it's like 220 it, pages long or something. Yeah, and in like a week's time, he wrote a majority wow. of the screenplay. But the first thing that he wrote was actually for uh, the character of Claudia, Melora Wa- uh, Walters, who yeah. was in Boogie Nights. She played, I forget her character's name, but she's the one that ends up with uh, Bucky, with mm-hmm. Don Cheadle's character. And so right. she was a big, important 
start to just writing this screenplay. And she is somebody that you can get like a lot of other John C. Riley's character and then Philip Baker Hall and like obviously a lot of people will spider web off of that. But they took a line that she says in the restaurant is from the Amy Mann song that's used in this and then they made, did the music video with like the characters from Magnolia but it's that whole line of like would you some some you know like forgive me do you remember the exact oh line? it's yeah. something like it's something like I'm so glad that we met now can we never see each other again or something yeah. like this yeah would you, yeah would you be happy if you never saw me again right. yeah not yeah, doing it justice yeah. no, <laughs> but we're not, that, we're not doing good rendition here but it's, but that's the line he uses a line from the song, the Amy Mann song, and that was just like inspiration for this movie. Gotcha. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, and it was it was surprising to me that he that he said that the first two things that he had were the title Magnolia and the image of that actress smiling into the lens. Wow. Which, yeah. as we know, is the last shot of the movie. So yeah. yeah. And the really interesting thing of Magnolia. Is I mean we're just doing a bunch of like trivia facts right now, <laughs> but so Magnolia is a street in San Fernando Valley, so that like is a you know, pretty much where like PTA grew up, and that's like supposedly this all happens within like a square mile, all this stuff, but the Magnolia a Magnolia can be seen in every scene like in the background, oh, really? yeah, like a picture, a painting, so on someone's oh, shirt. I'm loving this trivia. This yeah. Is the- <laughs> And the other thing that became actually a joke is that um, I was I read this and then I was watching the great interview with uh, was it Charles uh, Charlie Rose Charlie Rose and Paul Thomas Anderson admitted that he didn't know about the frog like story from the book of you know like Exodus. Yeah, it's a biblical story. Yeah, it's a biblical story involving Moses and you know let my people go and all that good stuff, but. it's from Exodus eight colon two, and that's seen over a hundred times in the movie because he realized one of the producers brought it to his attention that the fro- frogs falling from the sky is in the Bible, and so it just became an ongoing joke. So there's point being in the TV studio, people are holding up signs that say mm, it cool. when the rain stops on the like the street and uh, the lights turn back on. There's like a bus stop, you know, with a right. sign that says 8-2 on it. Is it, it. A car crashes or something yeah. in that shot? Yeah. It's so, it's point being that like between Magnolias and the 8 colon 2, or just even any rendition of like 8-2. There's so much going on in this movie that like it's, it's definitely not what I'm like looking out for. Oh, of course. This like is Easter a, eggs. Yeah, this is a... <laughs> It's really funny to think of somebody who hasn't seen us before just listening to this conversation, us just like casually mentioning frogs falling out of the sky. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's like well, a possibility. Which, yeah. Kyle, you always do these. Mm-hmm. Did you write a summary for us? Just, I, I did. I don't I know how it, you're going to do it. Yeah. I, well, I, no, I kept it short again, and I'm just going to, I will uh, prelude it with, again, in this Charlie Rose interview, he's just like, what's this movie about? And Paul Thomas Anderson went, like, I don't like what I don't know what it's about. Like, I don't have anything. Like what? What can I say? I could talk forever. What it's about? Oh, the, oh, the power to just be able to like. Yeah, exactly. But he's like. But he said in the end, it's about the relationship between parents and children and what went wrong. So that's what he kept it as simple. So I'll just go a little bit more and say that Magnolia is the wide but intimate story of a sex guru, a cop, a coke addict, a game show host, a trophy wife, and many more as they come to terms with each of their own lives fair fair i mean simple please add to it <laughs> yeah that sounds about right 
Um, I mean, is there another film like this? Like, obviously, you have your movies. Like, nowadays, they have all those holiday movies that there's all the separate stories. No, yeah. Don't but, compare this. No, I know, exactly. But I'm just like... <laughs> Valentine's I'm, Day yeah, or but I'm just New saying, Year's. What, isn't that... No, uh, Robert De Niro is in the New Year's one. Yeah. He, he's like a New Year's Eve. Anything could happen. Yeah. Oh, in New York, anything could happen. Yeah, I think it... it <laughs> is, is, there an, is, there, is there another movie like this? Like, he drew inspiration from movies like... Uh, network right. and like Nashville for Boogie Nights, and then they also watched. There was this great. I was there's fantastic. I have this on Blu-ray, and there's great special features, and they have this really intimate like making of it. Oh yeah, it's amazing. It's so good, and so good. there's just it's on it, YouTube too. From what's what that? It? Yeah, it's on YouTube. That's mm-hmm. cool. Oh, is yeah. Okay, I, awesome. I haven't, I haven't we'll, seen it. I we'll, gotta check we'll, it out. We'll put the link up for yeah. you folks, and um, the, it just covers from pre-production to like actually ends kind of with uh well with this the very premiere. yeah the premiere actually him w- winning the golden bear we've mentioned this before the golden bear award in, uh, yeah. Ber- in berlin, berlin. Yeah. but it's just the pre-production he's just like i hate pre-production i can't wait till we start shooting yeah and then but like i just love that they were showing their their screening network and he was describing network to like yeah. you know, his inner circle and then he was like okay and next week we're gonna watch ordinary people like oh, wow. <laughs> like yeah, it's uh, yeah. The the making of is is totally worth it, and it's. I mean, if nothing else, it's just like seeing this guy's. Lo- he was like what, like twenty nine or something. That, yeah, that part. He looks like a kid. Off. He's just like <laughs> running around, like so yeah. excited, smoking and cigarettes at every chance he can. And get. And there's just like there's like a room full of like the most high powered like Hollywood professionals yeah. sitting around a table, like listening to his every word. He's dating Fiona Apple. It's just oh, like he? yeah, yeah it's just like he's living. He's living what like this hell? like crazy. What the hell? <laughs> what a life. You know, uh, imagine making life. this just movie hanging in out. your 20s. Yeah, and then like he's hanging out with, you know, like John Bryan. Is and Elliot who, Smith and like, all, like yeah. all the coolest people. Oh my people. god, yeah, seriously? John Bryan, who used to score his movies before, uh, what's his name from uh, Radiohead now? Johnny does, Greenwood. Yeah, Johnny, Johnny Greenwood, Greenwood yeah, which we, 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 we saw. saw. Yeah. yeah. There will be blood. There will be blood, Brian. Yeah. I saw live. Not At the United blood. Palace down the, the road. Yeah the orchestra playing it live and Johnny Greenwood there playing the synthesizer. Wow. Yeah, cool. yeah it was, awesome it was really awesome. But, but um, <sighs> damn it, I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot Smith, really. Yeah, I uh, really, people, fan off fans, right watch this uh, making of. I've never seen a making of like this before. Well, they don't really... really make the making ofs too mi- too much anymore. Now they're much more commercial and safe. This was like, he was just like, eh, I'm wondering who shot it right actually now. because it's like, it's clearly somebody who had access to him personally. Said the name at the end and I didn't actually take a chance right. to look it up. Um, but it's interesting because you, you, you get these, mo- there's actually a good moment with him and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman where they're there's a like, couple of great moments. Yeah. yeah. There's one in particular that I'm, th- that where they're talking about one of the scenes where uh, the Philip Seymour Hoffman character is just I, I, it might even be the scene where he's he calls the bodega to to get the uh, the porno yeah. magazines uh, yeah. yeah 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 and Paul Thomas Anderson is making fun of Philip Seymour Hoffman he's mocking and, like his like yeah mannerisms and it's funny to think that like that was the that was what people thought of him at that point you know this pre-Capote <laughs> PSH so where My like God. he's like this bumbling kind of like awkward guy yeah. and like to imagine that he turns into Lancaster Dodd <laughs> you know eventually yeah. we definitely have to link this to our Facebook yeah yeah I mean it's really funny there's just a couple of moments they're also at like a press thing and you're hearing they're in the room and Paul Thomas Anderson is just laughing watching all these screens because he just like obviously hates this whole process of filmmaking and uh, you know like going around and just selling it 
but you hear uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman he's being interviewed at that point and he's talking about Patch Adams and the guy's like oh great year like you know like you're coming strong <laughs> off of Patch Adams and uh, I mean it, like you said he makes fun of him for like his little mannerisms and that too and then at one point they're, he's listening to a jazz piece that John Bryan was like uh-huh. scoring and recording for the movie, and like you just see like Philip Seymour Hoffman like sitting against the wall in the background. It's like these guys, like they again, they were just like he loved him so much. Yeah, and and there's a really th- there's a great little scene in the making of where like it, it, it's uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Jason Robards rehearsing one of the scenes around the bed, and um, PTA just kind of like leaning back and watching them watching them practice. And at one point, Jason Robarts just like stops and it's just like, oh, I screwed it up, you know, like uh, I, I stepped over your line or something. And Paul Thomas Anderson is just like, no, it was great. Let's shoot it, you know. <laughs> and like just uh, that spirit seems to be what was, you know, infused throughout the movie, sort of like, um, which is nice. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it just seemed like a really like, William H. Macy is also hysterical in this making of. Oh, is it? And yeah, sh- oh, I, I should say, speaking should, of which, let's go let's over the cast. Go through the cast? Uh, okay. So we've got uh, Frank T.J. Mackey, Tom Cruise. I'll go into a little story of how they uh, met and how he came onto this. Earl Partridge is Jason Robards. Linda Partridge is Julianne Moore. Phil Parma, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Claudia Wilson Gator is Melora Walters. Jimmy Gator, Phil Baker Hall. A um, This is just, you can't tell it, but just because he's been in movies before I included him, a young Jimmy Gator right in the beginning of the film is played by Tom Jane. Oh, cool. And then you've got uh, Quiz Kid Donnie Smith is William H. Macy, and then Officer Jim Curing is John C. Riley. John so, C. Riley. I mean, Riley, there's a lot yeah. more, obviously, characters. Yeah, there's a lot of um, collaborators, PTA collaborators, and later Philip Zimmer Hoffman collaborators like Ricky Jay. Yeah, and oh, Luis uh, Guzman is in this. Luis as, Guzman as Luis, as I saw in the credits. Alfred Molina. Alfred Molina, yeah. Yeah. He, so I mean, yeah, it's just there's tons and tons of people. And in I mean, movie. I think so far on our tally, Julianne Moore has been in the most films of Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm. You had you had mentioned like things like other movies like this of like uh, you know things that he might have been inspired by, and I wonder if it's. Um, I wonder if it, at one point he went and he guest he ghost directed on a Prairie Home Companion, um, really? Because he was crazy about Robert Altman, hugely inspired by Robert uh, Altman. Yeah, okay. So I would say the the only really thing that I can think of in like at least in American movies would be would be Altman movies. So so I mean the best example being Nashville, I think, is probably yeah. you know that and Shortcuts being the closest things to Magnolia that I can think of. But for the most part, like. Yeah, this just doesn't exist. In the- it's just really interesting, and so also interesting in how they filmed it is that Paul Thomas Anderson actually had the opportunity to have the actors, like for the like them for like let's say ten days in a row. Mm. So like he shot everything their scenes in chronological order, but not that the movie was shot in chronological oh. order. Oh, so yeah. as far as for like it was very good for him collaborating with the actors and obviously the actors for their performance. How many times did they have to do that frog thing then? I guess they'd have to do it that many times anyway, but Yeah, I mean it's still it's yeah, exactly. It's just every day every it like it was la- a different location. Yeah, so almost every last uh day for an actor would be frog day frog yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) that's cool i like that uh but yeah so that was i mean that that didn't that helped as far as scheduling like tom cruise and so i said before like it was uh 
he actually called uh, Paul Thomas Anderson after Boogie Nights and said, I want to work with you on something. And so PTA got to travel over to London and he went onto the set of Eyes Wide Shut. He got to meet Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. This guy's just like Stanley the best Kru- life. Yeah. Stanley <laughs> Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick. And again, he was he was younger than this. So like he was like probably like 28 yeah, tw- years old. Yeah. And like, cool. like uh, and supposedly the thing uh, I remember seeing an interview with him at some point and he said like the thing that he really that like Kubrick said that like like he took to heart was yeah. that Kubrick said he was just like, what? Do, you know, give me anything. Yeah. Tell me what, like, what can I learn from yeah. you? And Kubrick <laughs> just said, like, just be a, just be a good writer. And he said, that's what I like about your movies. You're a good writer. Wow. And that, which uh-huh. is kind of surprising, I feel like, coming from Kubrick. Yeah. Know, this yeah. Formal, I was gonna say. You know, kind of like obsessive, yeah. aesthetically oriented director. Thought but, it was gonna be something about like the system and like, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I find it interesting. And, that, that's uh, amazing. Yeah. What a unique intro to this movie these like three vignettes of you know like under like one is the and ricky jay is the narrator and he is yeah he's yeah, also yeah, yeah he's in the movie he's the producer of jimmy gator's uh show yeah but he's right. also he plays the narrator and i love it even at the like the end of the movie as the narrator he says as the humble narrator Strange things happen all the time. Like, yeah. Even as the narrator, the narrator's confused in a way. Right. Yeah. But he's just giving these like three. What like what are these three like sequences? We've got the it's the Greenberry Hill murder. Mm-hmm. So it's a pharmacist and he's killed. Like the name of the place is Greenberry Hill, but then it's three different people that have the last names of Greenberry and Hill. Yeah. Right. Kill him. Yeah. So like that's like an odd. And then there's that like constant like that riddle I've heard before of there's a fire in the woods and a scuba diver is in the tree. Like how did this happen? And that's played by Patton Oswald. That's right. pretty, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's like a fun little, you know, character for him to play. I mean, no dialogue, but he was scuba diving and then there's a fire in the forest and a plane scoops him up and drops him as with the water into the trees. And then the last one is, and then also the pilot of the plane, like assaulted him the day before because he was an right. like a gambler, right? And and Pat Oswald is a you know does like runs a table at a casino, and then the last one is this weird crime of this kid is gonna jump off of the roof and commit suicide, but he would have not died because there was a net put there for the window washers or something. But at the same time, his parents who argue all the time and say they're going to kill one another all the time is the reason he wants to kill himself. They're getting into an argument, which the son put bullets into the gun. Right. And then the woman ends up shooting the gun. I mean, this is like, how do you, how do you even make this stuff up? Like I did he read, was that a true, I heard the Greenberry Hill was an actual true crime. Oh really? But then they figured out those three guys actually didn't kill. So that was an open, it didn't like, Case yeah. or whatever. But point being, there's these three little things. I mean, what is this showing? Is this showing chaos and then coincidence, like these themes that are just playing throughout this film of Magnolia? Yeah, I was thinking it's uh, it's such a bold way to start. A, <laughs> I just feel like at, at every, I have I have like this strange feeling about this movie because it's. I think I've probably only seen it all the way through, like start to finish in a sitting twice, but there's been many times where I've just taken it in chunks. Mm-hmm. And it's like, th- it, 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 there's just so many ideas in like 
every scene there's something good happening and whether or not you you know it all comes together i think is up for debate but like the the you know this opening just like set it, there's so much energy in it the way that the, he shot the the murder scene on like a old pathé hand wine hand wound camera yeah um it, but you know so it was probably this huge creaky ancient camera technology but he's putting them on these crazy there's these crazy crane shots that he's known for you know yeah that are that are used in that scene the the dolly moves in in the the scuba diving sequence and the the kid with the shotgun are so fast and so energetic yeah um <laughs> i it, yeah i it it's hard to say what it means but there's just like this kind of like you know and the narrator even mentions them again at the end yeah right yeah, but it's just—it's one of the. I mean, it's definitely higher level of understanding than I can slightly. You know, I mean, not that I don't—I don't know if it is supposed to mean something specific, but obviously, it's it 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 goes into what this movie is, which is just like that strange things happening all the time, and so that definitely comes in with the frogs clearly. But I thought honestly, like I thought. Like then you're just seeing the amount of frogs that are falling. I thought it was gonna be like a plane, like a cargo plane, like dropped like frogs or something. Like I don't know, something went wrong. <laughs> no. Yeah, just leaves it unexplained. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just. I, yeah, it's it's hard to say except that it like puts you in a place. You know, it like it like. It's almost just like an appetizer or something. It's like it it uh, it puts you into this like hyper energetic like oh, really okay. exciting yeah, yeah, yeah. thing it it sort of sprinkles in some th- some thematic elements the scenes are really fun and weird and interesting yeah you know and then like it, it cuts to music and the title comes up and then like the yeah, thing... great cover of one is the loneliest number yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the thing i i always think about how they they cut to a shot of the sky and there's just the weather as yeah. a title card. Yeah, partly it's like, cloudy. Yeah, that's and... so... It's just... I don't... Yeah, it's hard for me to say what it means except, like, strap in, people. <laughs> yeah, you partly know? cloudy, 82% chance of rain. Yeah. And then that happens three times throughout the right. film that then it says, you know, like, raining and, you know, right. 100% humidity. Well, yeah. well, what I always find funny about, like, P.T. Anderson is that he's not really a household name among the common folk, if you will. You know, like, that sounds like, again, very pretentious. But, like, my mother doesn't know who he is. Yeah. I mean, she's known these movies. She's seen Boogie Nights, you know, but she, she, it's not like... She, there, there are bigger names to her. And I was, I was watching this film with my girlfriend, and I, w- I told her about it, and she, we're, you know, we started, and she's like, did you say Wes Anderson? Right. I'm like, no, no. Yeah, well, that Anderson. definitely doesn't But again, like, at that, like, no, <laughs> yeah. the beginning scene is yeah. just... It's like, it's so stylized like yeah. that, that I, I could see where she was coming from is my point. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I've, I had a teacher in film school who once said, uh, you know, the the, the last, the, you know, in the past five years, the great movies have all come from Anderson. And somebody, <laughs> or, or ten years or something, and somebody asked him, Anderson, do you mean Wes or PT? And he goes, Wes, we're talking about adults. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like a really, you know, it's a very condescending thing to say no it is but but like you get where it comes from yeah (laughs) (laughs) anyway yeah yeah digress yeah but uh so i mean there's just all these little things in the beginning introducing us uh to the characters 
we find TJ Mackey, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's uh, <laughs> Tom Cruise with long hair. Yeah, exactly. That's the yeah. This is the famous era of Tom Cruise, like Mission Impossible Two kind of uh, era. And it's uh, right after it's and coming right after Eyes Wide Shut, where he's doing this like hyper repressed kind of like brooding character. <laughs> you know, if Tom Cruise can be a serious actor, Eyes Wide Shut is probably. The, the the argument that you would make, yeah, and this being like the total extreme opposite of that, <laughs> just like the most on the surface, and it's it's great, you know, it's yeah. he's so good. This just reminds me of like you know like when Tom when people started realizing Tom Cruise was like a bit off, you know, the rocker. Yeah, well, totally. yeah, like the whole. It's funny he plays like this, and, and then like the whole like him jumping on the couch thing on mm-hmm. Oprah and yeah. stuff. It's like you see that in him. I was excited when he was like going to have a kid, right? Or something like that? No, I think he just loved Katie Holmes. Oh, just like, I love Katie Holmes? Yeah, yeah. something like that. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, and then with the rest of these characters, John C. Riley, he has this whole great, his introduction is probably my favorite. Oh, yeah. Because so he's just talking to himself, right? And just explaining the day. Well, it's like yeah, it's being just great. A cop. He has this like monologue, and it's there, there's a close up of him in the cop car, and it really, the, it, he's just a smart director, you know. Like he's got a close up that's from the side. It, John C. Riley is is talking, and it really, if the shot angle and the and the way that he's talking makes you think like, oh, he's talking to a reporter, or he's talking to a young cop, <laughs> yeah. or he's talking, he's giving somebody advice. That's what I thought. And like, then it cuts to a two shot, and there's nobody in the passenger seat. And he's just <laughs> he's just talking to himself. It's yeah. it's uh, yeah. You think yeah, his partner because then he goes into the meeting with the rest of the cops, and it's just like yeah, he just he just has this just like well, William H Macy says this line, but I feel like. And that's why he and John C. Riley have like ending moments together, but I think John C. Riley just also has like so much like love to give. That's actually that's that what is what a lot of these characters are. Yeah, they're either people that have been broken by love or just and and want to give or like starving for it. Yeah, especially love that you should expect, like the love from a parent to a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of them are just broken by that, like the disappointment of. That like again, yeah, the a parent two, is supposed to love their child, right? Yeah, the two biggest being like T.J. Mackey and uh, Claudia. Which is also Frank, right? Frank T.J. Mackey. Yeah, and then, but, okay, and then Claudia. Yeah. But what about the kid on the quiz show? Oh yeah, and the oh, God, and, the, about and William H Macy. Yeah, yeah. You know, like this is yeah, it's, it's throughout. I guess in a in a weird way, it, I mean, it really is sort of like like spiritually connected to Boogie Nights in the sense that like another ensemble movie about lost characters who are sort of on their own but it's sort of you know if if boogie nights is the is about ambition this one is about family and like biblical existentialism or something. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean there is something to be said that paul thomas anderson has now like he was saying this is like back then he was like this is my best movie i, th- I feel like every i mean tarantino said that before too right like you know like it's like the freshest thing is just like yes this is my masterpiece or whatever but he was on a there's this really great interview uh with uh mark Marin that mm-hmm. he just like he opened up with a lot like yeah, a lot of stuff amazing. and he said now would you like now if you made it or if you go back and make a cut like would it be as long as what he's like no yeah. it's too fucking yeah long. he even says yeah. that yeah wow. he says he says he was and like and he's like i know there's things i'm not going to say them but i know there's things like this is him like i don't know wow that's yeah. awesome. he said there are things he knows that he would cut out and so i'm very curious as to what they are and what if you guys think like what are some of these 
characters, you know, like that could have been like blended in a way, you know. I don't know. Like I don't know what he exactly means. Or just like scenes or just Yeah, scenes or characters and you know, in total. I don't know. It wasn't that he wasn't Yeah, I w- I wonder. Specific. I mean, I I sort of like I I guess a part of me is glad that it is the sprawling mess that it is, you know, because it's sort of like where its weird character comes from. And it's hard to, you know, uh, who knows if he would have cut whole storylines or if he would have just mm. shaved scenes down or something. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to see. Apparently, when this started, he was he had just made Boogie Nights, a big, you know, I guess you could sort of call Boogie Nights an epic. It's like it covers a lot of time. There's a lot of characters. Yeah, it's, there was not many films being made like that at the time, yeah. obviously. Yeah. And apparently, he wanted to make a small, intimate movie. Yeah. And then, and <laughs> just then, something he could have shot with his friends, like really. Exactly. Easy. Yeah. Uh, but then it's interesting after he does this, and it's this big blowout thing. And at the end of, uh, actually, at the end of that making up, there's this great little moment where he's sitting in a cab, I think, and he just goes like, he's just like, you know, I just it, it, he had just seen the premiere, and he goes yeah. like, I just watched it, and it just doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> Uh, and then he goes on. He makes and he makes Punch Drunk Glove. He makes like the small, which like, is pretty much besides like Hard Eight, the yeah. smallest. It's like it's a very it's a ninety minute movie. It's small. It's contained. We get to see our man Philip Seymour Hoffman again. You oh, do? that's one of my favorite. Yeah, oh, he's, he's great. Small role, but yeah, great, great role. In yeah, that movie. Um, so intense, but. So it's it's yeah. I, there's that quote that he said at right after the release, uh, PTA. I mean, where where he said like, for better or worse, this is the best movie I'll ever make. And in a, in, a, in a way, I mean, I don't agree with him. I don't think it's his best movie, but it, it, I know what he means. You know, it's like it's like the most that he could do. You know, like there's the most ideas. It's the most. Yeah, this the is boldest. this is like him Maybe. like. When like Brian Wilson was going all crazy with the right. Beach Boys, like yeah. trying yeah, to create his like his smile. manifesto. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's a good. Point yeah, it. this is you know <laughs> like no, it needs more didgeridoos. Right, <laughs> like, exactly. Fire engines. And, yeah, and, and, yeah. <laughs> exactly. What's, Dogs barking. What's crazy again? Not to hit on this again, but is that what, like he's twenty nine? Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, right. <laughs> he so he was in pre production of this like when he was like in his like turning like twenty eight. I guess. Jesus. Well, yeah. before this becomes the Paul Thomas Anderson podcast, yes. yeah, let's go back to our guy Philip Seymour Hoffman. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're introduced to him, and he is—is is that like this is—is is it hospice? Do you think, or is it he's like, like a home health care yeah. worker? I'm not sure if he's a hospice uh, specialist mm-hmm. or whatever. He, you know, he's like a home nurse. Yeah. But he's built up this pretty like good rapport relationship with Jason Robard's character. By the way, Kyle, I know we always talk about his costume choices because he was a guy who liked to choose what he wore Uh in films, famously in Boogie Nights. He wanted the clothes smaller. Yeah. Um, Apparently, this is one of the favorite things he's ever worn on film. Hmm. I mean, it must be nice to know, like, (laughs) I just have to come in and put on my scrubs. Like, like I saw an interview with him, he's like, oh, God, I loved that shirt. Yeah. Which has got to be like slightly like open, flowy, comfortable. Yeah, you know, like, like, you, know <laughs> you don't have to worry about much. Like he's just wearing like comfortable like Nike or like New Balance sneakers. <laughs> but it, yeah, he just plays this kind of like lovable. Like he shows up for his, you know, his rounds. His rounds. I but I mean, throughout this film, even towards the end, someone does show up to you know replace him. And he's like, I'm gonna see this one out. Yeah, yeah, because he knows Earl is probably on his way out. But he's just this simple, like, lovable, like, 
good, good-hearted, and just again has this great rapport with Earl. But lovable in a believable way, not in like a mascot kind of way. No, just like someone that you see that he also has like a passion for his like field, like in you know in this you know of healthcare. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, I and I read something interesting on the way over here that some some the critic commenting that the Philip Seymour Hoffman character in this movie stands out because he's the only character who is not trying to fix something about themselves. Oh yeah. Which yeah. is kind of interesting. That's cool. You know, like he and he does sort of stand apart in that way where like he you're you're relating to him in a different way. He does have a he has I mean a lot of the characters have quests, you know, Philip uh uh what's his name? Uh, Hall? Uh, or, William H. Macy. Oh, William H. Macy. So many triple names. It's crazy. Yes, that's, yeah. Yeah. No, I, w- I was going to say William H. Macy's character, I think, unfortunately, is the one that you could just like cut. And... Yeah, yeah. You know, every time I watch this movie and you get and you see him in that weird costume and the, with the, you know, with the, the he has braces or he's looking to get braces. He's looking, looking to get, get braces. braces yeah. At the end, he breaks his teeth. Oh, right. Like... And I just get to the scenes with William H. Macy and I'm like, ah. I gotta get through these, you know. <laughs> the, to me, his scenes just serve to kind of uh, for the kid in the quiz show. Game, yeah, you know? yeah. Like what? Which is, is like what a waste of William H Macy. You are you saying like serve as like what could have been? What could be to? Or, the, I'm sorry, what I'm could sorry, happen could to have, that kid? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but again, I, I agree. When you we didn't, I guess we didn't answer your question before. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. That like that character. Yeah, if you were gonna cut a, not scenes but a character, it would unfortunately see a bill. And he's fun. He's great in it. Oh but. yeah, yeah, he's really good. But even his redemption is not that like. No, I, I wouldn't even call it redemption, but it just his arc is just from top to bottom. Like, right. Yeah. But, like I I got it from one scene basically. Yeah, but I mean, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman and like so his interactions are with. Uh, Earl and then Linda, right? That's mm-hmm. her. That's her the, name. Uh, uh, Julianne Moore's Julianne character, Marker. and then eventually right. Tom Cruise, and then Tom Cruise. Yeah. And besides for that, like nurse character and like the telephone. Yeah. Like, those are the only people he interacts with. Yeah, I mean, and he like he just has real. I mean, Jason Robards. I need to watch this man's like career because oh, yeah. the few things I've seen him in. And this is what has he been? This is his last. Yeah, he like died soon after this, right? Yeah, he he said this was the best movie he'd ever make. Yeah, he 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 died of uh, of lung cancer, and I think in this movie it's supposed to be lung and and then spread to his bones and stuff like that. Uh, He's I really I think him and all the president's men is. uh, Oh yeah. yeah, he plays Ben Bradley, and I was like, where do I know this guy's face? Yeah, and his voice. Yeah. If we, if we, well, if so yeah, if we were gonna do the thing, like if it was the Jason Robards podcast, I would uh, say that the two things I first recognized him in was Huck Finn, <laughs> with, oh, wow. uh, <laughs> and then also he's in one of my favorite like little kid baseball movies, Le- uh, uh, I almost little said League, League. Of the, yeah, little little big league, and mm-hmm. he's the grandfather that gives yeah, the, uh, okay, yeah, no, no, but he, he's great, and their interactions are just so. Human. I know that sounds like pretentious, but yeah, it's it's almost. Uh, I have had I've had people talk about this movie as being like embarrassing, like it's embarrassing to watch those scenes. Like he's and his his performance in this one is kind of embarrassing. Not I don't mean that in a 
bad way. It's no. just like you watch those scenes where he's like there's just these long close-ups on him on the edge of the bed like like brimming with like like compassion for this dying man and you're just kind of uncomfortable because you don't really know him very well you know what I mean (laughs) this nurse you don't really know what he's about so you're kind of and this this movie is constantly doing that this is I I have described it before as three hours of people crying for reasons you only vaguely understand (laughs) Um, that that is a really good way to put it but you feel something like in your stomach when you're watching this movie for like Almost three hours. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's it's all it's it's all for better or worse. It's all very earnest. It's not you know. Yeah, it's yeah. not. P- people say it's melodramatic, and I guess in a sense it is in both a, a genre way and also you know it's it really goes for the high, you know, high emotional moments. But it does it in a very sincere way. You know, yeah, it's I mean- not. This is a movie that at one point it like I don't, I'm not gonna say it breaks out into like a musical, but it has all their lead actors starting to sing to the same that the Amy Mann yeah song. the Amy yeah. different Amy Mann song yeah yeah it's uh... and it's just it's just such a it, this movie stands alone for good or for worse right know? yeah it's it's uh, I mean that that sequence I mean I remember getting to that sequence seeing this movie for the first time. And I forget who starts singing first, but it's just, you know, these slow dolly moves in as everybody starts singing to the song. And it's just like, that is what you go to the movies for. You know, like, yeah, I can't explain that, it. I don't know why that's good. I don't know what it means, but it's such it a unique film going experience. Yeah. 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 So I want to get to that clip that we wanted to play. Yeah, I think the first, uh, the fun, you know, he, he has some conversation with. Uh, with Earl, but I like that Earl says to him that he has a son, mm-hmm. and so it's the character. Yeah, of we the... quickly learn that it's that Tom Cruise character. Yeah, just again the ultimate like I don't know how to even describe. Yeah, let's it. just put like... it this way: the man is selling <laughs> like you have to tame the pussy. He has right. a sign in the background when he speaks to men at like convention centers and in hotels. Like it says, like a pussy doesn't have nine lives. <laughs> like, and he, you know, he says just cock and cunt, and he's just a very, like, it's we. St- I still don't understand exactly where all that came from. We learned that his mother uh, passed away of cancer, and he had to take care of her. But yeah. supposedly she was like a nice woman, right? And that, yeah, and, that and probably that. The, the Earl's true love. You yeah, kind of get the sense. So uh, was, yeah, yeah, he's sort of like this, you know, like. The kind of like hyper misogynist masculine, yeah, yeah and he and he's alpha just, male. He's teaching you know these guys, and you see the audience, and they're kind of like you know no offense, like loser guys. They're not like he's not among his people. He's he's, he's male empowerment. Yeah, as if that needed to be a thing. Right. Yeah, and so and the, yeah, there, there, there were. I mean, I remember like these kind of asshole guys existing in the world for real there was you know they they're out there <laughs> uh, so as over as over the top and ridiculous as clearly the tom cruise character is it's it's like anchored in a real kind of like dangerous and horrifying <laughs> undercurrent of america the american male consciousness you know for yeah. sure for and, sure and so um phil parma Phil Robinson's character is having a hard time. Jason Robards gives him the wrong uh, 
phone number. Right. And so then I, I thought, and this is, again, like, I'm still a little, like, damaged from happiness, where he <laughs> where he plays a very sexual deviant on the phone. Right. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, that is. And so when he calls, I don't know, like, I, first he's calling for food, but I guess it's a supermarket that will deliver or whatever. And he's yeah, asking... Yeah, because, okay, again, like you said, this is his son, and he's trying to um, get them reunited before the death. Yeah, but I don't know what this... We don't know what this phone call is for first, because no, he's, saying, first, no. he's saying he wants uh, bread and... And peanut butter, peanut butter and, and cigarettes. cigarettes. And then he's like, you got a Playboy? <laughs> and the woman's like... And it was actually kind of like a sexual, like, yeah response. She's like, yeah. 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 And then he's like... Uh, I think then he says a hustler or a pen. pen, pen both. Yes, yeah. No, but both. he's I forget what order. But he says a yeah. uh, hustler. Yeah. And then, well, I'm, I'm 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 why am I reading the stuff that we want to play the clip? <laughs> I totally forgot we wanted to play the clip. So. All right. So yeah. let's let's throw to this clip. Yeah. Hi. I'd like to get an order for delivery. Phone number. 818-725-4424. Partridge. Yeah. What would you like? I'd like to get an order of um, peanut butter. Uh, cigarettes, candle lights, mm-hmm. uh, water. Bottled water? Um, no. You know, forget the water. Just give me uh, a loaf of bread, <laughs> white bread. Okay. And, um, do you have Playboy magazine? Yeah. Okay, one of those. And, uh, Penthouse, the magazine? Yeah. Do you have that? Okay, uh, one of those. And, um, Hustler? Yeah. Do you have that? Yeah, that's it. Do you still want the peanut butter bread and cigarettes? Yeah. What? The total is $31.90. 30 minutes or less. Okay, thank you. Is that cash or credit card? Cash? Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So, yeah, as you, as you, like, heard in that clip, like, I was like, where is this going? And the reward from it is that when, these, when this stuff is finally delivered, it's that he needed the other stuff but he wanted he figured oh that guy's the number will be you know it wasn't on tv at that time so it was in the magazines tj mackey's yeah uh you know sex guru and i think the the you know the the dialogue is great in that scene but i think the thing that like at least performance wise from our guy psh just watching his face contort with agony as he transitions from buying peanut butter yeah. and cigarettes into <laughs> buying, you know, the treasure trove of it's that magazines is pretty it's that's what it's all about. <laughs> I I love that, but then I even love a little bit more his delight into knowing that this place has each of these. So again, I was that's why I was like was he going to be cuz right before he right. was scrolling through the TV and again I just wasn't putting two and two together so he was looking to try to find it to like see the number on the TV and I'm like oh now I get it right. but like I guess you know Earl has a nice subscription to a you know naughty channel where like this all of a sudden this woman's like you know it's a porno real close up of this woman's boob and then he goes and he's calling on the phone for these like you know three of the top you know like uh porn magazines and so i'm just like what is what what is he gonna do like is this the dark secret of phil parma yeah definitely (laughs) the first time i saw this that's what i like that's what i thought yeah i thought he was i mean again he doesn't really have an ulterior motive right he's he's so like sincere 
but I'm looking for one because like everyone else kind of like has something there. And I, for again, first time I saw this, again I thought he was like maybe had a crush on the dying guy or something. Or he yeah, was, like, there was, warning, yeah, we're just yeah we're waiting for this like dark. I I mean this is purely speculation. If I was gonna guess, maybe it is a it's a sad lonely job in the sense of oh, dealing yeah. with I mean, sick could, people all the time. Yeah. So like not that he's finding like entertainment from him but entertainment from it, but that's definitely like it's something for him like more than his average Sure. You yeah. know a person that he's taking care of. Yeah. And not that again, I'm not trying to really create like a, a, a scandal of it, but like if that's what I was gonna say, if there's any like alternative motive, it's to make it a little bit more again Exciting, entertaining. I don't know. You know, just to add a little something to his. Well, it, again, and we'll, the clip will play later in terms of like he's thinking of it as a movie. He even says it on the phone. Yeah. Just like this is like he's playing a part in something now. Yeah. So I mean, like I said, when he gets those magazines, he you know rips out the number and calls that, and he goes through this whole process of talking to first this guy on the phone that would be just obviously who you would place your order with or whatever whatever you're getting from that subscription to TJ Mackey and then finally I guess that you know I mean he says to that person well, let's let's I mean let's play that clip right yeah hi hello great is this Seduce and Destroy okay I, I don't want to order anything uh, you see I, I have a situation, uh, a situation that's just come up that's really pretty serious, and I don't know who to talk to or, or what I should do, but maybe you could put me in touch with somebody if I explain myself. Could you? Uh, okay, okay, could, could you connect me with just somebody else, you think? Okay, great. Um, all right, let, let me try to explain myself without it seeming kind of crazy, but here you go. I'm, no, uh, my name is Phil Parma, and I work for uh, a man named Earl Partridge, uh, Mr. Earl Partridge, and I'm his nurse, and he's a very sick man, he's a dying man, and he's sick, and he has asked me to help him, to help him find his son. Hello? Are you there? Hello? No, I'm here. Okay, um, you see... Frank T.J. Mackey is Earl Partridge's son. Well, there's no number for Frank in any of Earl's stuff, you know, and he's pretty out of it. I mean, like I said, he's dying, dying of cancer. So, what kind of cancer? Well, it's brain and lung. My mother had breast cancer. Oh, I'm sorry. Is she all right? Is she... Oh, she's fine now. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it was scary though. Oh, it's a hell of a disease. Oh, it sure is. Yeah. I know this sounds silly, and I know that I might sound ridiculous, like this is the, the scene of the movie where the guy's trying to get a hold of the long lost son, you know, but this is that scene. This is that scene. And I think they have those scenes in movies because they're true, you know, because they really happen. And you gotta believe me, this is really happening. I mean, I can give you my number and you can go check with whoever you gotta check with and call me back, but do not leave me hanging on this. All right, please. I'm just, please. See, 
See, this is the, the scene of the movie where you help me out. Yeah, I mean, that is as far as his, like, emotional, I mean, anchor in the movie, right? I mean, later on, it's per, it, it's more his reactions to Frank talking to Earl, and he has his little moment with Linda when Linda comes home, and he's all excited because he is getting Frank, to, you know, got Frank's contact information and stuff like that. Yeah. But, I mean, what do you guys think of this scene? Well, the thing that I, I mean... I look at that and the, th- and the thing, and it's, I think it applies to the last scene too. There's one shot in that scene. It's just like there is a confidence in the actors here and their mm. ability to be all that you need to make it work. I mm. mean, there's not, he could have shot the guy on the other end of that phone conversation and cut him up with, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman's performance and like taken the best bits from different line readings and all this kind of stuff. But, yeah. you know, there is sort of, and I think it ties back into the fact that every role in this movie was, you know, PTA cast with certain people in mind. You know, he has confidence in these people. Clearly he has confidence in Philip Seymour Hoffman. And, you know, he just says, like, this entire scene is going to be one slow dolly push into his face. And we are going to rely on just, like, the power of the actor to do the scene. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's nice nice to see it is and he brings it you know just oh, yeah. like like his, his hand and his just like yeah that's what like, I this that. is that scene yeah you know? his gestures like Phil Smurhoffen is a very communicative with his hands yeah and just even like his emphasis on words like I'm not trying to like that <laughs> sounds like a, sounds yeah. like a bad Shatner <laughs> but like this is like Shat- if Shatner was good, he'd be Philip Seymour <laughs> Right, but um, I just love even, you know. So I've I've said this before. A big, you know, I mean, because Paul Thomas Anderson is very vocal of his inspirations. This is like one of those great. I mean, it is the Dolly in, uh, like you said, but it, it it does get to that intimate close up, which is very Jonathan Demme, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's you know, again, that's why it's. You know, along with the story that he's telling with this, like, you know, telemarketer, let's just call that guy. And he even says, oh, what kind of cancer? And it's like, oh, my mom, you know, had brain cancer, too. And it's like, oh, it's just, you know. He wouldn't say, like, terrible. Like, yeah. Because you know, he has, he's seen, like, people at their, like, lowest moments. So this is a bit of, again, it's not redemption for him. But, I, I mean, you know, he wants to create redemption for Earl in a way. Because Earl has said that he was, like, a crappy dad and... And this is certainly one of those scenes where it's just embarrassing. Like, you, again, you don't know much about this Phil guy. <laughs> and he's, like, almost in... You can see him on the verge of, like, hysterical tears about, like, doing this thing for this guy that he barely knows. Mm-hmm. And it's... You know, I could even... You know, even watching it, you know, now, in just just it selected and, and on its own, you get that kind of, like bubbling feeling of like you know yeah it's confusing because at the one time you sympathize with somebody you see clearly going through something on the other hand there's like this there's this other thing where you're like why (laughs) (laughs) um which i think i i think it's on purpose i think it's you know oh definitely i mean even just the way again through we've said how it was shot but the way it's like lit he's wearing we're saying that he loved this outfit of yeah, these, just like scrubs, light, but it's like these light blue scrubs, and so it's just really like this 
is just yeah, it's like a white turtleneck or something. <laughs> right. But point being, it's just this really like you know, and he's even he's fair skinned and blonde, you know, blonde hair, and so and the background is just dark behind him. So it's just really like this is what you're getting right now. Like the only thing, like and then that, but it adds to it is that also there's the like the score going underneath. Which by the way, the music in this movie is phenomenal. Oh my god, it was giving me a heart attack. Yeah, like the music. That... It's just very like it's beautiful and haunting, and like brings a level of like a slow like boiling anxiety. Yeah, anxiety. That was the word. Like it's just like a like a. Yeah, it's and just it's, anxiety. And it is pretty much. I, I mean, I can't say this for sure, but like my, uh, I feel like it, it is is there's always music. You know, like the the whole yeah. like the score is like one yeah, continuous no. flowing thing. And, um, and I know he said it was too long, and maybe that's true, but I think that score and that almost, it's almost like the heartbeat of the film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it keeps me in for three hours. Where, where... Uh, yeah, and it's, it, it sonically, you know, pulls the thread between. It, it, this isn't like, this isn't like Babel or Crash or one of these <laughs> movies where, like, you know, everybody, I mean, people are connected in this movie, but they're, it's not in like, you know, for cheesy moralizing reasons, <laughs> no, it, no. but, the, but the, but formally the, the movie is doing things to bring them together, you know, yeah. the, I mean, the music yeah. is doing it, the style, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. You just made me think of Crash. <laughs> I don't like thinking best of Crash. Picture. Yeah, I know, exactly. That piece of crap on background's <laughs> best picture. Yeah. <laughs> Although we are, our next uh, podcast is going to be a Brendan Fraser one. And that oh, was true. Like... <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> the jungle. Yeah. But, I, yeah, that scene is just... Well, that's just a very... That's a scene, like, there's this beautiful... And I, I want to save this for when our uh, podcast is coming to an end. But I want to post it. It's this beautiful someone, just this homage to Philip Seymour Hoffman's career, and it's like twenty minutes long, and just has so many of his performances and in, that it. Was in it. And this was in it just because it really like, and they play even like that, like that whole time of him speaking, but other footage from movies that just like relate thematically to what he's saying in this movie. And yeah. it's just it really is. It's just I think it's what you know he's trying to be. A hero in a way, but you know, again, not for selfish reasons. But he's doing something heroic that would, you know, that everyday people experience. That is like heroism. You know, it's not you know your firefighter, your you know yeah. soldier level stuff, but just someone going out on a limb and trying their hardest to create something beautiful for somebody. And yeah. Yeah, a moment. I mean, I'm sure he's seen so many people die in front of him. And yeah. I mean, like, it's again, like, he's, uh, the way he puts it is just perfect. Um, so, let, I mean, I want to just kind of keep talking about his storyline slash um, the son, yeah. Tom Cruise. Yeah. I mean, because, like, they're the most, like, intertwined here. It's not, again, not every character is connected here, which is nice. Like, you know, you just mentioned Crash and Babel, where it's not, right. like, you know. They're they're more like a couple threads. Yeah. No. Tom Cruise is also the cousin of the kid who's on the show. It's not like you know. Right. This we'll keep it to these four characters of like Frank, Linda, Earl, and Phil, and they are my four favorite characters, and and actually the actors that I think give the strongest performances in this movie. Uh, Again, I can't like I am. I already I really liked Julianne Moore like before we started this podcast, but 
through Boogie Nights, again, a movie that I'd seen plenty of times, Big Lebowski, but just paying that much more attention to these films. She is just one of the greatest actors, just a a treasure as far as, like, I I mean, her her performance and what she brings. Yeah, the... uh... That pharmacy scene is sort of like... Oh, it's just like excruciating. If there was ever a scene of like somebody just like, you know, like, sh- I'm going to show you what I got. You know, like that is that, is that scene. Yeah, it's, like it, she doesn't have a reel now, obviously. Right, <laughs> right that's the real scene. But that, exactly. That's the scene you that's, put yeah. on your that's reel. That's on her reel. <laughs> Absolutely. It's not Lost World, Jurassic Park. Yeah, you can, pretty, you can pretty much just, you know, put that scene... And have that be your real, and probably you'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. I'd say so. Yeah. Um, and then she even, like I said briefly, she comes back. I mean, she has a couple of interactions with Phil. Because, yeah, she's coming and going. Yeah. But, I mean, her big thing is that she knows that she's a trophy wife and that she's also, like, a couple of her She has a scene with the lawyer that she's trying to change the will. Yeah, she she loves this guy now. Yeah. She never expected that. She knew she was marrying him for the money. She cheated on him all the time. Cheating is a big thing in this film. Yeah. Or people admitting that they've cheated and, like, dealing with that guilt. Well, that is also the... To, uh, I don't want to get off topic, but that's a big conversation with the John C. Riley with uh, Jim and Claudia, is, like... Like, do let's just be honest and cut that bullshit out. Like, let's just say everything that's on our yeah. mind and like what is wrong with us. Again, I know these characters are connected, but what's more connected is the things they're going through. Yes, and that's, that's so much definitely better than like the... the. And they're not things like racism, you know, or right, yeah. love, or right. It's Valentine's Day, you right. know. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, they're it's it, they're emotional arcs that are similar and I think again that this is something that he has that he learned through Altman you know like mm. Nashville is sort of are organized in the same way I feel like that though in a in a more obtuse kind of like distant way you know um, gotcha. it's almost like a, the, a, a science experiment where he just like designed you know a dozen different people put them in the most high stakes emotional moments in their lives and then just like smash them together in like a particle accelerator you know crashes and, <laughs> um, stop with the crash crash references this movie head. is actually crash this is a prequel <laughs> yeah well, that's what I thought when I was seeing it I was yeah. like yeah no yeah um, yeah so she's like in this state and he's in like the, they're in the exact opposite states of one another, Phil and Linda. And I like how you brought that up. I guess like someone else has seen, like he he's just the most different character in this film. Yeah, and, and you really see it here. Yeah, I mean, it's just like she is at her low, and he has this high moment of this excitement of wanting to, <laughs> you know, to tell her like I got Frank's number, and then I guess not knowing that she would have such opposition to that and, and you have to remember something too like there's he doesn't have almost any stakes in this game here if this guy dies he dies like not not to, you know not to be drago but um <laughs> he, it's it he's like i said he's seen so many people die and you can tell that from the scene when he's like telling that other nurse like to go home that he'll see it out mm-hmm. he's not like oh, i'll see this out you know he's kind of just like i'll see this one out you know like yeah. like you know and 
we don't see dialogue. It's not like, see what out, what's going on. Like, the other nurse gets it because that other nurse has probably been through that same thing. Yeah, they're just people. It's like almost... The stakes are lower for him, so he can perform almost higher. Yeah. Everybody sort of goes into scenes with secrets. You know, Julianne Moore seems to have some kind of, you know, drug problem or certainly, you know, is just... on the brink of some emotional edge, uh, you know, uh, Tom Cruise has a has a history with his mother that is sensitive to him. Uh, William H Macy has this desire to get braces to impress the man of his dreams, but Philip Seymour Hoffman doesn't really have a secret. He's just like it's no. every it, he's all he's all very like on the surface, which is yeah, face it's va- interesting. Face value. Yeah, it's sort of like... Which he and John C. Riley are kind of similar in that way, but John C. Riley, right. his only thing is that, like, he clearly knows that this woman has, like, issues, and he's kind of being like, I can put you back together. Yeah, he's got the the religion stuff, too, which, yeah. is, which gives him a little bit... It, it's interesting, because, like, the, the Philip Seymour Hoffman character is, by any, like, standard screenwriting book definition like he's a bad character you know like it's not there's not much going on on the surface but somehow it is still compelling yeah which is yeah but bad meaning like a like a not interesting well in just in just the traditional in in like the you know traditional three three act hollywood structure you know like he doesn't have uh he doesn't have a backstory or a or or subtext that the audience is tracking within scenes he's just Mm -hmm. like everything is just kind of surface level. Yeah, because as we're saying this, it almost sounds like we're insulting him or his I know. performance. And but, it, which I'm not. Because no, and I'm not it, it's almost It's almost that, like, he, as an actor, he had to fill the whole role with the stuff that wasn't there. You know, it's like, the role itself is, it's almost a background part. You know what I mean? It's just like, he's the male nurse who takes care of the guy. Yeah. And, like, occasionally talks to him and then, like, has a phone call with a bodega owner. Um, <laughs> and, like, it's if it had just been, like, another person playing this part, it might have just been that. We it, cite this guy a lot because they did fight for roles at the beginning. And, and, again, we're not dissing him necessarily, but imagine Jack Black in this role, you know? Yeah, it would just be a little too, like... him. He would just play it as a comedy. He would just play it. And you could easily play this simple role as, like, a super funny character, an over-the-top character, yeah. even. But it, that's not what Philip Seymour Hoffman does. He, it's not so. It's not a lot to work with. No, but I and I think and that again that shows like the trust and what you know P.T. Anderson knew he would get from Philip Seymour Hoffman for sure. And not that like mm. obviously we can different people can relate to different characters in this movie, but he's the most like. Oh, you know, like I guess, like easily relatable, or you know, like our little, like our that, like we could just be like, if oh, if I was that guy, you know, I don't know. When you say easiest relatable, I know what you mean. You yeah, because like, we it, don't want to be like we. Do, this movie like it feels up, uncomfortable. Like, we relate to the other characters, yeah. but that feels we don't want to think of those uncomfortable situations that we've been into that will relate with them. So right. we'll just be like, <laughs> we want to be the nice nurse that right. is trying to connect, connect the family together again. Who's yeah. just like being a sleuth, you yeah. know? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In a way, this is like the detective story. In the, <laughs> it uh, is, it is. Yeah. Um, so just uh, just to fill in the gaps here, yeah. 
uh, Tom Cruise's character. I keep forgetting his name. TJ or TJ Mackey. TJ Mackey. Sounds like an 80s. <laughs> TJ Mackey. He's doing this interview this whole time, and it's kind of like this is where we learn about the, um, how his yeah, relationship with the mom reporting. and like how he's just like a, a liar, essentially. Yeah. Tom, and, um, Tom Cruise was on like a Donald Trump like realm of like this is fake news, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, and basically he says that he has a good relationship with his mother and his father is dead, and yeah. it's actually like his mother has yeah passed away. He like, had to take care of her and the father. I don't know. Do we? Is it clear? He did he just leave them? I mean, he, he just like wasn't. He was wealthy. He's the owner of like the network. Yeah, he ends up being that, the producer. The producer of, of that. The TV show, the bigger hall show, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's it's not the specifics aren't said, but point being, like, Earl was not he he was not faithful, he was not a good husband, and then particularly not good in the sense that he was not there for his wife and for his son when she was you know sick and passing and through a lot of pain because she died of cancer as well. So I mean, we get Tom. You Cruise. get it, like I mean. He could easily say, why should I be there for him right now? Yeah, but right. he shows up. I mean, the, it, Frank took the big, you know, step of coming here, and first we don't even see him on camera. He's outside of the house, and then, like, in the rain, and then he comes in, and he says that line of, they'll dropkick the dogs. <laughs> I mean, that's definitely... I mean, our character Phil, though, has achieved his goal here. Yeah, this is mission accomplished. Yes. And now he, I mean, he just, after this, he just escorts them finally down to have we mentioned that Earl these is. two will co-star in Mission Impossible no we have not that's so. right <laughs> they meet again, meet again. yes <laughs> same characters yeah same too. same exact characters yeah. <laughs> no. kind of same characters same dynamic <laughs> <laughs> anyway um, long story short there what do you think of the conversation that Tom Cruise has with his dying father I mean, it's very much what I expected to happen. That at first he's just very like, you know, like fuck you, you're you're a selfish asshole, and then he just realizes, like, still in the end of the day, that like this guy is his father, and he's just so weak and helpless, and he sees Earl like his you know dying breath. But that's, I mean, right when frogs decide to fall from the sky. So <laughs> yes, this infamous frog scene we've been alluding to so it it rains frogs for no particular reason yeah and philip Seymour hoffman is like the only person that decides to have like everyone i mean everyone's like screaming and freaking out in their own right ways but he just goes why are the why are frogs falling from the sky (laughs) (laughs) i mean do you guys do you guys have any like theories on this or what this is supposed to have you heard anything no no i tried to look in like i mean and again it doesn't help that even you know Paul Thomas Anderson didn't know that this was like a biblical thing, so this wasn't by him meant to be a biblical. Or so reference. he says. I I I have my suspicions. About, about <laughs> yeah, it. I mean, I'm not a religious. That's person. fair. Yeah, yeah. but fair. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I don't know. Again, it's like it's like the this Phil guy yeah. is like right on the surface. He's the one to say like, oh, the thing that is happening on screen is a line of mine, you know? Uh, it's, it's, so it's inter- It's just interesting that he's like this kind of like totally surface-level character. It's not like he's looking at the frogs and think and says something like, you know, ah, the biblical end times have come, you know? <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I Again, it's I think similar to the rest of this whole movie, the frogs is just like a moment of like, reveling in like 
the limits of what you can do in a movie. You know, it's just the another great thing in the making of is you get a sense of how complicated it was to make that happen from oh, yeah. a practical production yeah, standpoint. Yeah. There are people whose entire jobs for months were making realistic looking frogs <laughs> to fall out of the sky yeah, and it was hard to do because you had to get them to hit the ground realistically and 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 splatter and they had ways. explosions in the pool because that's the great like it is like Philip Seymour Hoffman's face like just says so many things but like and says it all yeah in his reaction to this like her I mean I don't know, horrific but like it's just, like what do you call if all of a sudden you did start seeing I don't know if it would be horrific, but it would be... It's like, I mean, it definitely, like, for those who, like, know of, like, biblical things, all of a sudden you would start thinking, like, what's, like, is, like, a biblical, like, storm certainly give me pause. Yes, that's for sure. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, they had to, to, like, design special umbrellas that would rip in frog-shaped ways. Yeah, definitely, definitely check out this really cool man. Oh, man, this is, like, so complicated. But, but it, it, like, it... What what I think about you know what it makes me think is just like wow the that the movies are when the engine of of Hollywood is behind something they can really make anything happen and this is re- I mean can I, it's hard to picture like a more bizarre scene to be included in a movie that was released by New Line you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> um, on like a small like you know like it's not like a blockbuster sure you know, yeah, yeah. It's just this. Um, yeah, a- absolutely. I would also forgive somebody like again my mother watching this film, being like, "What the hell was that? Was that? That's stupid." Yeah, I don't get this. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, there, yeah, and in a certain way, like, yeah, they're probably right. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, there, there's there's one review. I think it was uh, I forget. There, there was one, one of the big like negative reviews of Magnolia when it came out. It essentially said that like, the, the frogs raining was just like the last like death whisper of <laughs> of a movie that like had just totally gone off the rails. And you know, in a certain sense, I un- I understand that. I mean, I I think it's great and just you know so yeah playful i could see and, some calling it like the jump the shark you know the drop yeah the frog, drop the frogs yeah it's just it's. Uh, <laughs> It's certainly not the like you can't have like a mute uh, like a, a a murky opinion about it. You know no, I mean? it's just but you know what it is. It is just like this great visual thing that again like besides this song that our like main characters sing at one point in the movie, mm-hmm. and then like their thematic like what they're going through. This is just a connective tissue and like how else do you how do you like not that this is the end it ends with this it ends with like claudia and her smile Mm -hmm. but what what is what what else is going to be like the connective climax of this movie you don't want the again nothing but freaking crash (laughs) and like them interacting outside of their own little moments and being like oh you know like the mexican guy that was putting the lock on the door is a good guy and you know like <laughs> right. it's just I mean, what it's just one of those things that the you have to accept the unknown i guess like it's just it falls into that and i i i enjoy it just because it it is over the top to me like that's just... oh yeah and like gleefully so yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so i was reading a lot of the reviews now that you touched on that and some people who didn't like it 
like the first two hours. Right. And just it, to them, like I think you mentioned, it completely fell apart to them in the last hour. Okay. And I I could see the frog thing being a very big reason for that. Yeah, big time. Um, uh, where do where do we leave PSH in this movie? So the last last we see of uh, Phil Parma is that you know Earl is passed, and then I guess you know you call up whatever service comes and takes away, uh, you know the body of the deceased, and they also they take the dog as well that overdosed. <laughs> But he's just kind of quietly folding up. It, you don't even really see, but he's just like, it's a pretty tight shot. But it's just like him folding what I assume is like the bed sheets. Mm. And he's kind of like quietly, like weeping, crying to himself just because I, I just threw like, this is, you know, is what he just went through of bringing a family back together, hearing. I mean, Philip Schumer Hoffman said that it was just so, uh, just like intimidating and just like amazing. And that Tom Cruise actually, like, improvised a lot as far as what he was saying to mm. Earl. And so he just said it was just, like, one of the best, like, raw performances That's he awesome. ever experienced. So just, like, from that, he had that as an actor. Like, he definitely then also then, since they shot in chronological order, I think mm-hmm. he just took all of that and said, what did my guy just go through and what else would he be doing besides just, like, kind of, like, weeping from all these emotions? Yeah, yeah. But the movie ends with a smile. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, despite again, all the crying, it ends with a smile. Yeah. yeah, is there any is there any specific scenes you want to touch on? Characters? I mean, there's this again, is a movie like, again. We could spend three hours. Yeah, so I mean, it's not worth it. Watch Magnolia. Take out some time. Watch, to watch Magnolia, it. and then t- no, but really take the time to watch this making of. It's just a really fun. Just like little view into what it took to making this movie, and just what it takes, you know, it just makes yeah, you I appreciate. Yeah, I actually not seen that, so I definitely want to check that out. And the, uh, yeah, and particular, it particularly captures like, I, it's hard to imagine that this kind of movie, where a major studio puts significant financial and creative firepower into a big art movie essentially it's mm-hmm. hard to imagine that this will really ever happen again ever i, I, I mean, mean. It, it, maybe you'll start to, I, I mean it sort of does happen in tv but i'm to, curious what kind of budget like a terrence malick film has because he's definitely up there as far sure as... yeah i i don't think it would, uh, it would be interesting to compare yeah i don't know but i know that it, it, Certainly, recently, I mean, PTA too. They're they're getting their financing from more independent sources than you know. It's not they're they're not major. Releasing. No, no. It's like Annapurna is now funding uh, PTA movies, and like, thank God for Annapurna and like that company just keeping good stuff alive. But it's just not. It's not this. It's not New Line. It's not you know, like. Who knows? I don't know what the budget for Magnolia was, but it was large. They shot for like 120 days or something. Yeah, something. It was something crazy. Like it was supposed to be 79 days, and actually it was like nine, 90 days of principal photography, but then like 10 more of just it's even like 37 million. I thought it'd be more. Um, okay, but oh, it, wow. it made yeah. 48. No. So. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, no, thir- no, but thirty, thirty-seven is. Well, that's a- not that's not an indie budget. You know? oh, no, yeah, exactly. Definitely not. <laughs> That's that's uh, oh so speaking of like budget and all that kind of stuff you know we always touch on this eighty four percent critic wise on Rotten Tomatoes huh. mm-hmm. 
like 89% audience, which is interesting to me. I wouldn't think the audience would be higher than the critical for a kind of film like this. But so 84 and 89. Yeah. That's, yeah, I mean, that's You think very... that's fair? You think it should be higher? No, that's a pretty, like, I'm very, I'm, that's like a pleasing, that just makes me, you know. To me, it's especially pleasing because this could be so hit or miss with people, and I ex- I would expect, like, because Ron Tomatoes is this critical consensus, right? Mm-hmm. I would expect more critics to be like, just fuck this shit. Right. And I guess not, which is yeah. it's just nice. It's nice to see. Yeah. I guess, I mean, like, that's Magnolia. Yeah, I think I'm going to get a little picture of a magnolia put in my apartment now. Just yeah. A little... yeah, there was one in the background of this podcast. I don't know if you heard it. You know, I think we... Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not nice. around it. <laughs> I think we figured it out, though. I think, yeah, we have all the answers. Yeah, we, exactly. <laughs> yeah. We know magnolia. We're the quiz kid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm the prophet. Who knows? So... <laughs> So Tim, thanks so much for coming. Yeah, uh, thanks for today. Thanks. Let me come and do you have anything talk about the movie? Uh, like uh, website, yeah, where can Instagram, follow you yeah, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, I've got. Uh, well, it won't be done for a little bit, but I shot a feature film over the summer, which will be my first feature. Awesome. awesome. Um, it's called The Undiscovered Country. Uh, it'll be some time until it's out in the world, but hopefully sooner rather than later. So what's it about? Uh, it is about a young woman whose mother dies, and she goes on a strange quest to figure out, um, to discover like her mother's uh, secret past. Okay. So, so like Crash. Yeah, it's so basically like Crash. crash. <laughs> um, no, that, that sounds great. Awesome. It's yeah. a ghost story. It's she she follows the, her mother's ghost, and which is how this whole thing oh, comes about. That's really so, cool. That's cool. Yeah, it's like is a that weird, a lot of fun shooting it? Weird psychological drama. Um, do you have like a Facebook page for it or anything? Or? I do. Yeah. Okay. You can. What's the name? I forget. I forget what the. I think if if you Google Facebook, uh, the undiscovered country, it'll, the undiscovered it'll come country. up. I, I think. Hopefully. Perfect. Yeah. All fans, check it. You know, just. We'll, yeah. We'll keep else. you in. We'll we'll keep them uh, up to date with that. Yeah. If you keep us up to date. Absolutely. Anywhere else people can follow you. Or... Um. Not particularly. Kinda, kinda I need on, to make a website radar. for myself. I'm right there with you, I, man. You know, <laughs> I have not gotten around to it. Uh, there's a, I saw a really funny uh, Onion headline that just said uh, Woody Allen spending most of his days updating WoodyAllen.com. <laughs> the entire article is about how Woody Allen is, you know, obviously jokingly uh, sp- putting a lot of time and effort into, you know, keeping up with the times and modernizing his portfolio and his, his Squarespace website. Um, we were actually talking about the other day how we would love to see Philip Seymour Hoffman in a Woody Allen film. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Like, that's like the missing link for us. Like the whole, It's weird that it never whole, happened. Yeah, right? Because yeah. the other day, after we were talking, I was thinking of like films that I could like place him in, and it's not that difficult. He totally could play that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely. What's the one with like Will Ferrell oh, and like Steve Carell? Um, not very good. Uh, Mel- uh, Melinda Melinda? Melinda Melinda. Yeah. I kind of like that one. It's underrated. Yeah. But I could definitely see him in that. That's yeah. what I was thinking of. Whatever, we're not going to go over the whole <laughs> But um, Yeah, thank you again for yes. coming on. Thanks thank for coming so on. It's a pleasure to meet you. Good to meet you, too. Maybe we'll collaborate on something someday. Totally. Besides this. And um, uh, good luck in your journey through thank you. the universe of PSH. He's, it's a it's a it's a glorious journey thus far, and like I said, there's so many films I'm looking forward to discussing. One you're, of the, you're about to get scruffier. 
I feel like he gets scruffier. Yes. Yeah, that's why. Um. Yeah. If anyone sees that my beard's a little longer and I've gained weight, it's just because I'm a I'm a method podcast host. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're method we're, we're method podcasters. You know. So one of the films we're going to do next week, we've got talented Mr. Ripley. Very popular film, a film that a lot of people have said was the first time they had recognized him in something. Yeah. Um. And we have uh, Cage Club co-founder joining us michael manzi michael manzi can't wait to have him back that should be really fun and as always like follow subscribe share you guys have been comment. awesome Hoff yeah. fans are the best fans thank you thank you again not dustin hoff fans no <laughs> philip seymour hoff fans. fans was there any overlap between the two of them i wish we we like but no no nope. <laughs> Unfortunately not. Not in Hook. You would have liked that. No, and he wasn't in Meet the Fockers. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the two classic Dustin Hoffman films. But yes, Tim, we uh, end the episode. Yeah, a film that's coming up, um, yes. Almost Famous. Where we kind of begin it with that, but he says, uh, you know, I'm always home, I'm uncool. So we end the episode with our guests saying, stay uncool, Hoff fans. So. Cool. If, well, yeah. stay uncool, Hoff fans. Don't, Boom. Don't be cool. <laughs> <laughs> if you, yeah, if you're not we're good with the subtext there. It's yep. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.